Before we get into today's session, I wanted to remind you of things that are coming up. Tonight begins our new year of Sunday evening home groups, community groups. If you did not get a call or an email from a community group leader saying you're in their group, then uh, they just missed you or uh, the coordinator didn't know that you were interested and didn't assign you to a group. But if you want to be in a group and didn't get a call, then uh, let the folks at the information center know. They'll get that to the coordinator and we'll try to get that rectified uh, even as early as tonight. But those start tonight. On Tuesday, uh, ladies and little ones, uh, moms and tots are invited for uh, a fellowship time at uh, Erie Orchard, and that'll be at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. Just meet there. There's no cost to uh, get in, but there's stuff for you to buy there. So that's for moms and tots on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, we are in the third week of our new semester for our midweek program, and that meets at Patrick Henry Middle School. It does not meet here. Patrick Henry is just about a mile from here over on Hall Road. And we have a complement of ministries for everybody. We've got nursery toddlers, and we've got classes for kindergarten through uh, fifth grade, and then sixth through twelfth are in the uh, are in the high impact teen program. We've got a couple of uh, classes for our adults. One that's a survey of the Old Testament prophets, and another is a marriage series, committed marriage. And so you can jump into any of those. We'd love to have you. But that's on Wednesday, seven o'clock at uh, Patrick Henry Middle School. And then uh, two weeks from today, next week, we will end this series. And two weeks from today, we'll have our periodic newcomers orientation. And that's a class that I teach for anybody who's relatively new to our church who would just like more information about who we are and what we believe and what we hope to do in the future. I have a booklet of material that we go through over four weeks. So two weeks from today and for four Sundays in a row, we will have that uh, class during this hour. And then I'll have some uh, other folks uh, uh, leading uh, this while I'm doing that for those four weeks. Simultaneous with that, Pastor Matt will be leading our new members orientation. That's for folks who have recently joined to help you get fully acclimated to the church. So we'll have three classes going on at the same time. But those of you that are new, uh, mark that two weeks from today, newcomers orientation. You don't have to sign up or anything. You just have to show up. And there's no obligation to that. And I'm telling you the truth. Uh, at the end of the four weeks, we don't call you, we don't email you, we don't hassle you. Uh, some of you can testify to that. You've taken it, and you're trying to decide still if this is the place the Lord would have you to join, and yet you haven't been hassled by me, and you won't be, okay? So it's for information only. So mark that down. And then uh, uh, long range, uh, well, no, one week from Saturday. One week from Saturday is our hayride and bonfire. And that's at uh, 4.30 Saturday, the 20th, 4.30 at a Fun Acres in South Rockwood. It's $5 per person for that, and we think it'll be a great time. Everybody's invited to come, all right? All right, uh, I ask you to turn to Acts chapter 11 because in verse 25, in fact, if uh, you don't mind, start at verse 22 says news reached the ears of the church at Antioch and they sent Barnabas or excuse me church at Jerusalem they sent Barnabas to Antioch when he arrived and he saw the evidence of the grace of God he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts he was a good man full of the holy spirit and faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord 
Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. I'll just stop there for a second. What's going on here is this church in Antioch is obviously by this description growing in numbers and growing spiritually. And Barnabas uh, is sent to check this out. He sees what's, what's happening. He ministers to them himself. Additional people come to the Lord. And then interestingly, it says in verse 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, why do you suppose he did that? This work is too big for me. And you will also notice as he goes to get Saul that in just a few chapters, it's not going to be Barnabas and Saul. It's going to be Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, signifying actually who has taken the lead. Paul becomes the leader of this duo, and this good man full of the Holy Spirit, Barnabas, doesn't care who gets the credit. So he sees this church growing. He sees that he needs the talents of someone uh, beyond him. And he knows of Saul, and he goes to, to fetch him for that purpose. And so in verse 25, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So this group of people, of believers in this church, in this town, have the privilege of being the first to be called little Christs, Christians. Now, why did I have you look at that? Well, it's because we have come to a point in our series centering on ministry that we are looking to consider how we are perceived as a church and as an independent, fundamental Baptist church. As we prepare ourselves to move into our ministry center in the next several months. Now, those of you that have not been with us for these many weeks since July 22... This session is going to be highly unusual because I'm going to talk about how independent fundamental, particularly Baptists, are perceived in our community and in our culture. And it is because we have this special event of moving into a building that we now own for the first time. We're making preparations for that. And we've made preparations in a number of categories, but now the last of those in these final few weeks is to prepare ourselves to be most effective in outreach and evangelism, and as I've said these last few weeks, that means understanding something about how we're perceived. We want to be accurately perceived. We want to understand how it is we're perceived and why we're perceived that way. And so, over the last few weeks, I've been talking about what it means to be independent and fundamental. Where did fundamental come from? And why is it that the only time I've really used the word fundamental in our 11 years is for this series? I mean, we are, if that, I am that, if it's understood in its historical sense. But as we have seen, that term has been co-opted over time, and it has been misused and abused and applied in ways that don't apply to me and don't apply probably to most or all of you. And so we've seen that. Well, now we're coming to how the, how the word, the label Baptist is seen and why it's seen that way and what we need to consider in order to be most effective as we move into our ministry center. And I wanted to start off with, over this week and next, talking about how Baptists are perceived, making the point very clear 
that there is nothing in the Bible about the label Baptist. And that may come as a surprise to some of you. I know I've heard from some of you in the past, hey, where did that come from? Did it come from John the Baptist? And the answer is no. As a matter of fact, uh, John's, John's baptism was prior to the establishment of the Christian church on the day of Pentecost at all. And so he was called the Baptist because he engaged in baptizing people as a sign of their, re- their repentance. But uh, it is not has nothing to do with where the label Baptist, as it applies to a set of beliefs that we adhere to, uh, came from. And so the, the, the name Baptist actually came historically not from something in the Bible, but to apply to a group of people who adhered to some what we think are very clear teachings of the Bible. And that actually occurred about 500 years ago as part of the Protestant Reformation. Now, this is not going to be a, a, a history class, but there were a group of people who insisted that the Bible taught that, that baptism is immersion. And we believe that. That the word baptism, baptizo, literally means to immerse or to dip. And that that's the way baptisms were done in the New Testament. And the church had gotten away from that. And in order for one to be aligned with the church, to be a member of the church, they had to undergo believer's baptism. That is, they had to be baptized by being immersed to symbolize the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. But they also had to be a believer, which meant infants were not baptized. And so it was not sprinkling of infants, and it was not infants at all because infants did not have the ability to believe personally. It's believer's baptism. And they insisted on that, and we insist on that, and I am convinced that that is what the Bible, the Bible teaches. Well, as a result of that, that group of people were highly persecuted, killed. You can read the history on that. Often the, the martyrdom was by means of drowning. Anybody guess why? You want to be baptized? And that was kind of the idea in mocking fashion. And so there were people who died primarily for the idea that the Bible teaches that only believers make up the church. And so one of the distinctives of Baptists for 500 years has been something called a regenerate church membership. Only those who have spiritual life, who have been regenerated, are part of the church. And those who have personally placed their faith in Christ, have been made alive, regenerated by His Spirit, then follow in obedience in in baptism. And so we believe in the ordinance of, of baptism, the ordinance of the Lord's table, and just those two ordinances. And they are memorials, not sacraments. And they don't, they don't con- convey grace to the participants. And so there have been a number of distinctives that have come to... Uh, identify Baptists in that 500-year period. Chief among them, regenerate church membership and, uh, or saved church membership and uh, believers, believers' baptism. And those distinctives, some of you know this, but if you were to spell out the word Baptists, each one of those letters can form an acrostic, a handy acrostic, to tell you the distinctives of what, uh, what Baptists believe. And we have that, I actually have that acrostic in the notes that we give out in our newcomer's orientation. But biblical authority, autonomy of 
the local church, that means that Baptists are really not a denomination, never have been. Now, the name denominates something, so in that sense it's a denomination, but not a denomination in the sense of a hierarchy of authority that dictates to local assemblies what they're to do. Even churches that are in cooperative fellowships like the Southern Baptist Convention, it's still technically not a denomination. The churches are autonomous and they make their own, make their own decisions. So biblical authority, autonomy of the church, priesthood of the believer. And so there is no person, including the pastor, between, between you and God. Two uh, church, church ordinances, baptism, as I defined, and the Lord's, the Lord's table. Individual soul liberty. That is, that every person individually has responsibility to stand before God uh, in his own right. No one can go to God for you. No one can stand in, in your place. You are responsible for God to examine what the Scriptures say, examine what the pastor says. And so there's no magisterium that dictates that. You have individual soul, soul liberty. Saved church membership, as I've already talked about. And then two church offices, only two. You don't have cardinals and bishops. None of these are as separate offices are in the Bible. Two offices of pastor and deacon. And then the final S is separation of church and state. Those are distinctives that describe all Baptists. Now, many of those describe other people as well, but historically only Baptists have adhered to every one of those. And those are, I believe, every one of those, to the bottom of my soul. And no matter what we end up doing about the label we use going forward, which is something we as a church are going to have to decide after we determine how we're perceived in our community, Understand that we will always be Baptist in doctrine. And we will be very clear to people that this is what we believe. As a matter of fact, that acrostic will stay in my newcomer's orientation material. And if we decide to change our name from Baptist to Bible, which is the proposal of our leadership team, later this year, Community Bible Church, we will still tell people, if they say, so what does that mean? We're Baptist. Well, then why don't you have the name Baptist? Because there's too many crazy Baptists out there. I mean, that is really, in a nutshell, what has happened. Just like the term fundamentalist is a perfectly good term if understood historically, so is Baptist. But unfortunately, fundamentalist has been co-opted and misused. And I'm going to try to show you today that we are seeing that happen with Baptist, in my, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm going to show you some clips, if I can get them to work, on a, on a video to try to make that case. Now, before I do... Last week, I talked to you about how the term fundamentalist has degenerated and now applies to anybody who's just a religious crazy person, whether Christian or Muslim or whatever. And that's why we, even though I'm a fundamentalist in the sense of being a believer in the Bible and willing to take a stand for that, that's historically what it meant. I don't use that term because I don't want to be misunderstood. And so I was talking about some of the history of fundamentalism and some of the sordid. There's this great history to fundamentalism. There's some sordid history. And those of you that were here last week, you heard that. There's been some racism. And uh, there has been legalism. There has been, uh, this is too strong a term, but in some quarters, even a misogynistic approach toward women and a demeaning approach toward, toward women. 
So those are facts. I tried laid out those facts last week. If you want to listen to it, it's on the audio is on our website. But I also want to say this, that many of you who have grown up in fundamental churches didn't know some of what I said, and you were surprised by that. And that's because you don't adhere to any of that stuff. And the truth is there are many, 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 many good people who grew up in fundamental churches, went to fundamental schools, who never knew about the racism stuff, who never knew about the legalism stuff. There are many people who went to Bob Jones University that I mentioned last week uh, who didn't know that stuff. And they didn't go there because of that. And had they known that, they may not have gone there. But their parents were told by their church, this is a place where your child will be safe and get a good education, and they went there. And further, truly some of the best people that I know uh, graduated from Bob Jones University despite all the stuff I said last week. Now, having said that, the legacy of Bob Jones, they have, to, they have to live with. It's hard to live that down. And nationally, that's what the school is known for by folks on the outside. And how long will it take to live that down? If it ever happens, I don't know. It'll take a long time. And probably, in my view, a name change. Because the truth is, in the annals of the jurisprudence of this country, the Bob Jones case about interracial dating is in the U.S. Code uh, because of that landmark Supreme Court decision that they chose to fight. So as long as it's known as Bob Jones, that'll be there. But it'll take years, and so that legacy will live on. Now, that's the term fundamentalist, now Baptist. Perfectly good. Label perfectly biblical set of beliefs. But what has become and what is becoming of that label? And I want to show you some things that have happened in the last couple of years, and then I'll talk about those. As I say, if I can get it up here. That's not what I want. brother is a Baptist pastor in the IFB. My father's a Baptist pastor in the IFB. My husband was an IFB pastor. So we come from a long line of people within the IFB. Jocelyn Zichterman grew up in an IFB or independent fundamental Baptist church in Denver. Like Tina Anderson, she says she too was sexually abused, molested by her brothers and her father. And like Tina, she says she was publicly humiliated forced to stand before her church to confess a sin for having sex in high school with a teenage boy. Right in the front pew are my two brothers and my father. And I think how sick and twisted all of that was. My father crying tears because, you know, he's so disappointed in my actions, but at the same time molested me. Years later, Jocelyn sued her father and brother for sexual assault. The case was settled out of court and both deny any wrongdoing. Jocelyn is one of many former members who claim that they're lifting the veil on physical and sexual abuse within the IFB and churches that cover it up. The survivors of the group have remained silent for years out of fear. You must not think that girls do not need as much spanking as the boys. Jocelyn says it all began with what she calls church-sanctioned abuse. Seared in her memory are sermons like these that she heard as a young girl. 
the nerves need to be affected without tearing down the tissue of the buttocks. It's terrifying when you're the child sitting in that church service. You're absolutely petrified because he's ramping up your abuser. How many whacks is irrelevant? You might need a hundred stripes. That's what the Bible speaks about. There's a scripture verse um, that says the blueness of the wound drives away evil. Meaning a blue bruise mm -hmm. will ward off evil behavior? Yes. One pastor says two weeks after they come home from the hospital. A two-week-old baby needs yes. to be spanked? Yes. For what? Crying too much. That cry is a cry of the will, and that will needs to be broken. What you use on an infant, I trust you're not using on your 15-year-old son. How many years do you think you were beaten as a child? From the time that I was a toddler and uh, all the way up until I was a senior in high school. And, um, you know, it was, it was horrible. The Bible says that I'm supposed to love my children. I'm never supposed to ever do anything out of anger or manipulation. And that's what our people are taught here. This whole burden for Brian Fuller is now the senior pastor of Trinity Baptist, an IFB church in Concord, New Hampshire. He says his church has nothing to hide and opened his doors to our cameras. So you don't advocate spanking the children? We advocate biblical discipline to our children, Which but is in a what? loving way. The Bible has a lot of consequences for children. One of them would be corporal punishment. One of them would be our timeouts. Uh, one of them would be a, a lack of privilege. Any form of discipline that's done out of anger or selfishness, revenge or irritation is out of bounds. But what happens when church members take biblical discipline too far? In 2000, this IFB pastor was sentenced to 106 years in prison for abuse of his daughter, found with 410 wounds and scars. Last year, this IFB couple was charged with beating their seven-year-old daughter to death. They pleaded not guilty, but police say they were following the disciplining techniques in a book widely read in IFB circles. And just last month, two leaders of an IFB church in Wisconsin were charged with child abuse. They pleaded not guilty, but one told police that the Bible dictates that infants are worthy of the rod. Were these cases sparked by inflammatory sermons boldly posted by some IFB pastors on the Internet? If you're not bruising your child at times, you're not spanking the child enough. What about that? Children are a gift from God. And each of my children are my treasures and this is not pastoring this is not the way we shepherd our parents this is not what we teach them so then do you repudiate the other IFB pastors who are on tape talking about how to properly spank your child so that you bruise him or her but don't break any bones or don't kill them they actually I, said? I repudiate any type of abuse on a child but can you understand why people are disturbed when they see yes I can see the outrage my point is Elizabeth there is a junk drawer here with people who are doing really bad, evil, unchristlike things from a pulpit. But just because they're independent fundamental Baptist churches does not mean they're tethered to us. But some former members claim IFB churches are united by like-minded pastors trained at the same Bible colleges. Some even call it an old boys network. You're taking independent churches and saying that they're dependent, that they are, uh, they're together. You do move from church to church. 
to say that you're all islands is, is a little disingenuous, isn't it? No, I don't think it's disingenuous at all. Uh, this isn't a network, and it just happens you get educated at places that hold many of the same principles that you're going to use in ministry. Critics say those common biblical principles include one that says women are to be submissive. It irritates me and bothers me when I see a man fall in love with a beautiful thing that God made and then she just lets herself go. Parts of sermons like this one by an Indiana IFB pastor who claims to lead 47,000 worshipers scold women in particular for being overweight and undisciplined. You keep what you were when you caught that man and you stay at that. I'm not mad at anybody here. I'm just amazed how, how it doesn't matter to you. you. You don't try at all. Good grief. Touch that man's heart. Keep that man's heart. Motivate that man. Inspire him to do something big for God. The only inspiration some of you are is bring home another box of donuts. Disgusting is what that is. All IFB churches, that's what we're about? Absolutely not. You're wasting your time, honey. And here, that same pastor You're expresses his position on women giving theological advice. It'll be a cold day in hell before I listen to a woman tell me about theology. So, boy, I sound pretty arrogant. No, it's scriptural. That's not love. That's arrogance. And, uh, you know, one day he'll stand before the Lord Jesus and give an account for that. It's very authoritarian structure. Uh, it's very unbending. They are saying the man is the authority figure and the man must not be questioned. Professor Randall Balmer is an expert in religious fundamentalism at Barnard College. So you agree with these victims that in fact that kind of patriarchal view of the world somehow encourages this kind of behavior? I think anytime you have a structure, in this case the man who is essentially unaccountable to anyone else, then you have a recipe for abuse. <clears throat> I'll make a few comments uh, about that. That was April 8th of last year. And that is the reason that I determined we should talk about this at some point is because that is not an isolated program. That's happening more and more now. I have another clip to show you from CNN from this year. And it is disturbing like that. Those guys, that kind of preaching has existed in independent fundamental Baptist circles for decades. I've known that. Some of you have known that. So what's different now, Pastor? Why, why should we consider this now? That's a perfectly good, legitimate question. If it's been going on for decades, then what's different? It's always been a problem. It is my considered opinion it's a much bigger problem now for this reason. The ubiquity of media. You see, now it's not just that some of us know there are you know, crazy uncles in the closet. Now everybody's getting to know. And there's Brian Fuller pastoring this church. He wasn't even there when the stuff happened. And he's having to explain, but we're not that. But we're not tethered to that. But we're independent. But we're not a network. 
And I'm just telling you, if I can avoid it, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy having to explain, but we're not that. I don't want to be in this community that we're going to try to reach, telling people who we are, and they say, oh, I saw you guys on TV. And I go, oh, yeah, but that's not us. How am I going to explain that to that person? How are you going to do that? And, you know, it's not just that, and it's not just the other thing I'll show you from CNN. We got our friends at Westboro Baptist out in Kansas, right? Going all the way to the Supreme Court, protesting at military funerals, holding up signs that says, God hates fags. And they're Baptist. And people in our community don't know the difference between them and us. Now, again, those crazy people have always existed. But now more and more people are seeing that. And you can now get audio of what those guys say. So there's the guy saying, it'll be a cold day before I take my theology. And women, you shouldn't let yourselves go. Well, that guy is the guy I told you about last week. That was just recorded in April of last year. Jack Scopp, former pastor of First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. Thousands and thousands of people. Bible College, Hiles Anderson that I told you about last week. That has spawned all kinds of guys to go out and start similar kinds of churches, including in our area. That guy's in jail. He's in jail for taking a minor across state lines for sexual intent. There, is a, there has been for a long time a section of independent fundamental Baptists that are, are off kilter, trying to be kind. All right, forget being kind. They're, they're nuts in terms of discipline, in terms of the way they approach relationships between men and women and subjects like sex. And it has turned out predators, lists, long lists of predators. I'm not trying to just be sensational, guys. I'm just going to lay it out, and then we as a church will decide what we're going to do. I'm giving you my, my view. When we're done with this on December 2nd, that's when we as a church will vote on this. When we're done with this, we're done with it. That's the way we roll here. We as a leadership team tell you what we think we should do. But we're an autonomous church, and as a congregation, we'll discuss it and we'll make the decision. And once we make that decision, whatever that is, we will move on unified, at least from my standpoint. But I have a responsibility to lead this church the best way I know how. I'm 50 now. If God gives me 20 more years, I want to leave this church in a position to build on the foundation that's been laid. And I believe strongly that over the next 5, 10 years, it's going to get much worse. There are going to be more exposés. There will be made-for-TV movies. I can give you the script right now for Jack Hiles' son, who started Hiles Anderson, whose son left Hiles because he had multiple affairs with women. His dad set him up with a church in Texas where he had more multiple affairs with women. 
one of those women left her husband, moved away with him to Illinois, and the death of her infant son is being investigated as I speak. And the last person with that child was Dave Hiles. Now, guys, I'm just telling you, Hollywood would love to get a hold of that, wouldn't they? And I'll just prophesy it's going to get worse. And we're going to find ourselves stammering to say, but that's not us. It isn't us. I know that. You know that. But for many of us, this church, many of you, this church, or churches like it, are the only Baptist churches you've known. And you didn't know how bad it was out there. And thank God for that. But thanks to the media, you are, and more importantly, the people we're trying to reach are. So, what else? Let's see if I can get this going. back up close tonight our 360 investigation on godly discipline we've been looking into a, a network of christian reform schools that cater to fundamentalist baptist churches now these group homes for so-called troubled teens can be traced back to texas radio evangelist lester roloff who founded the rebecca home for girls back in 1967 you may have heard of this he used a girl singing group called the honeybee quartet to promote the home the lord i know ruleth our everything Amen. and all of my worries well, despite the marketing pitch, Roloff's homes for girls faced multiple allegations of abuse over the years. And now, decades later, another home that grew out of that same tradition is facing some similar allegations. Here's Gary Tucker. I'm about to meet a man who I know doesn't want to talk to me. My name is Gary Tucker with CNN. We know that because Don Williams and his father, Ron, had already told us in an email they would not comment about abuse that has allegedly happened for many years on the secluded property in the northern Indiana town of Winona Lake. The Hepzibah House is a self-described fundamentalist Baptist boarding school and church for adolescent girls. The allegations are so disturbing, we felt we needed a face-to-face -face meeting with the father or the son in charge. We found the son in a parking lot. We've had a lot of people complain that they've been physically, emotionally, mentally abused at your house. Can you give us a comment about that? Well, I would rather not. Our conversation did not end there. But first, let us introduce you to Susan Grady, who is now 45, but spent two and a half years there starting when she was 15. It was going to be uh, gardening and crafts and singing and uh, just a chance to heal. So that's what your parents thought the school was going to be? That's right. And was that in any way correct? No. No. And I knew that the minute the door shut behind me. On her first day in this house, which was the facility used back then, Susan says she was accused of having a bad attitude while cleaning the ceiling. So two staff women grabbed her, and Don Williams' father administered what she said was known as godly discipline. He just bodily manhandled me to the floor, and um, he, he hit me with the board. Um, as hard as he could. He's a very big man. And I was shocked. I'd been paddled my whole life. I'd never been hit like that. Michelle Dowling is 20 years old. She just got out of Hepzibah House a few years ago. Her parents thought the strict religious curriculum would make her a better Baptist. They told me that, you know, it would be good for me and I'd make good life-changing decisions. 
Michelle was only 12 and brand new in the house when she says two staff women told her to take off her clothes and forced her into a closet where a man would give what Hepzibah House claims is a medical examination. They held both my legs and both of my arms down and let him do this to me. He stuck a speculum inside of me and I was scared. I, I, was, I was screaming. I didn't want him to touch me and there was nothing I could do. Both women talk about being forced to eat a lot of food, sometimes not being given any food, being forced to drink a lot of water. Susan says 28 girls shared three bedrooms on the upper floor of this house. There was one toilet, but... If I stood up to go to the bathroom, <gasps> no, you can only go to the bathroom when you're told you can go These to the bathroom. These are the girls you were with. Right. What would happen if you go to the bathroom without asking You would permission? be paddled, yeah. I would wet the bed every single night I was there. They'd make like a spectacle of you, like you were this horrible person for doing this. Ended up having to wear pull-ups every night. Would watch me put it on every night and then they'd make me show it to them when I would take it off in the morning. It's been open a long time. Lots of people complained about getting beaten, emotionally tormented, mentally tormented, all in the name of religion. And there's a lot of us who are very religious who don't believe in hitting people and tormenting them and having them wear diapers and making them drink and making them eat things they don't want to do and I want to know why you do that. I prefer not to decline, sir. But why can't you comment if you believe in what you do? This is your chance to tell our I viewers. I understand that, but I, I prefer not to. Oh, tell me, if you can tell me why, I'm just asking you very respectfully, why don't you want to tell us? Well, I'm, just ref I'm respectfully declining. Don Williams is also the pastor at the church on the Hepzibah House grounds. A former churchgoer gave CNN a CD sold by the church, in which Williams is apparently preaching his views about who's to blame when a male whistles at a female. If you girls are walking down the sidewalk and some fellas drive by and they, they whistle, you better stop and think about that. What drew that whistle? Was it the way I was walking? Or maybe the way I was dressed or whatever? Did I do something to defraud those men? Hepzibah's website features innocuous pictures of girls who have attended and claims there are no spankings or any out-of-the-ordinary punishments. This facility has been around for about four decades. It seems to be a thriving enterprise. As you can see, the people in charge don't particularly want to answer my questions. But we're not alone. They don't really answer to the government either. In Indiana, group homes operated by churches and religious ministries are exempt from licensure. So nobody in the government even knows what's going on behind the closed doors. The women say their parents also had no idea what was going on there. In the 15 months that you were in this house, how many times did you leave the grounds to go Never. somewhere else? Never. Zero. Zero. The Indiana governor's office says there's nothing it can do. The attorney general's office says it doesn't have jurisdiction. The same thing with the Indiana Department of Education. Notably, though, the Indiana Department of Child Services says it could investigate, providing it was a current complaint and not from someone who already walked out the door. But we've talked to more than a dozen women who say they were victimized at Hepzibah House. And they say they could never make any private phone calls or send uncensored letters while on the inside. Hepzibah House is not the only facility of its kind. Across the country, victim advocates say there are an unknown but large number of similar programs. I have nightmares about it all the time. Like very vivid dreams, like I'm trapped inside of this house again and I can't get out. And that's like the only thing I want is to run out a door and for some reason I can't. I think I fantasized about suicide those first years out. 
We wanted to give Williams one last chance to answer the allegations. Is it true or is it not? It's either a yes or no question. It's not true. So they're lying to us. I'm not, see, that's where you're trying to get me back into a corner. Um, it's their word against mine. We were not permitted to take video on Hepzibah House property, but we did walk up the front steps and ring the bell. We saw a girl hustle back inside the home. We saw girls through the windows, but nobody would answer. <clears throat> a few things about that. One is, you notice in both of those videos, that was from the summer, that the phrase IFB is used over and over, independent fundamental Baptist. So it's now becoming a pejorative, just IFB. And uh, thus, everybody gets tainted in some way with that. Now, what happened behind those four walls, I don't know. I'm giving you my opinion. I don't know what happened behind the walls of that home. For me and what I know about what these guys teach, what those girls say happened is believable. When you have people teaching what we saw in the previous clip, about how you discipline children, then it is quite believable that you've got a home for wayward girls. Troubled girls, troublemaking girls, that's why they're there, who are going to be treated in that way. Now, is there anything in particular about Baptist belief that leads to that? The, answer, the short answer is absolutely not. But why do so many of these independent, fundamental Baptist churches have this kind of approach? Well, it's because I mentioned to you last week that there's always been the strain of legalism. You follow rules, you toe the line, and that's your sanctification. Well, think about where that can go. We've got to beat the rules into you. We've got to make you toe the line. Out of that has come a behavioristic strain in fundamental Baptist churches. You all know what I mean by that? You know, Pavlov's dogs, you just, you train them. And they actually use language like, you have to break the will of a child just like you have to break the will of a horse. Now, friends, we teach parenting here. And we teach discipline. And you've never heard anything like that. And you never will. I know that and you know that. But the people we're trying to reach do not. Now, I've got a couple other clips that I will show you next week. Audio. One of them is just audio. Of some guys around here. And it's not of the sexual, it's not of abuse nature. It's just to give you an idea of even if there is an abuse going on, there's still an environment that is completely foreign to what we do here. You've got a preacher who runs around and snorts and hollers and says whatever he feels like. And you get somebody who knows somebody who goes to a church like that and you say, hey, come to my church. Good providence with that. I don't believe in luck. Probably not going to happen. Now, in my closing minutes, I want to show you a list of churches in Michigan. 
Hmm. I don't know why that's not showing up. Anybody that knows anything? Hmm. Well, I'll have to show it to you next week. I'm sorry. I have a, a list of a directory of independent fundamental Baptist churches in Michigan. That list has about 350 churches on it. The list is divided up into churches that are King James churches and churches that are not. Now, do you know what I mean by that? Churches that believe that the King James Bible is the only inspired version of the Bible. And, and let me just say, and I'm just, I'm, got, I'm just shooting it all these two weeks and then I'm done. If a pastor believes that, then he is an uneducated pastor. He can't know what he's talking about. And yet you've got tons of churches who believe that. Some of them believe that the English version of the Bible corrects the Greek, even though the English came from the Greek. I wanted to show you on that list that it's divided up into those who believe King James only. I counted them by hand, and I came up with exactly 200 that are King James only. Just here. Let alone across the country. So it tells you something about what kind of... Tra- the, the list also shows that they are King James, and then it tells you what their affiliations are. And it will say Hiles. That's the guy I told you about last week. That's the guy whose son did all the stuff, started the college. And so these are churches that say we're King James only. They preach on that all the time. They preach hard on it. They think churches like ours are heretical because we use a version like the New New International Version. And so they preach that kind of stuff, and uh, they are happy to affiliate with Hiles Anderson College, Fairhaven College, a spinoff of Hiles, Crown College, a spinoff of Hiles, West Coast Baptist College, a spinoff of Hiles. We have to quit, but guys and gals, I don't know the numbers. It's impossible to get the precise numbers. My perception is (laughs) we are badly outnumbered. Baptist churches like ours are badly outnumbered. And so part of the consideration that we need to have over the next several weeks is whether or not we believe that is the perception or is the growing perception or will soon become the perception in our community about us as Baptists. And if that is the case, how are we going to address that? One way to address it is just say, forge ahead, that's your problem. We'll explain it to them when they get here. My point is they ain't going to get here. I don't get a chance to explain it to them. Now, if you meet somebody and you live in a Christ-like way and you show something completely different, which I expect all of you do and will, indeed, by your personal contact with people, there may indeed, in fact will indeed, be people who will come to our church and our church will continue to grow as a result of that. If we have those personal contacts 
over time, we can overcome that perception. I agree with that. But you all know that we advertise to our community. We send out mailers. And we say, come to Community Baptist Church for this series. And if the week before they saw that, guess where my flyer goes? So that's what we have to consider. We will finish this off next week with, I'll show you those clips. I'll try to get that list up there. And uh, then I will give answers to anticipated questions that you all might have. And then between October 14th next week and December 2nd, we have about six weeks. And our leadership team is making itself available. And by the way, we are unanimous that we should make this change at this time. But we're available to sit with you and answer any questions you have between now and then. Okay? And I'll remind you of that next week. All right. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are heavy by what we have seen and heard. Lord, we want to represent you accurately. And your name is being besmirched by those who have taken what's historically a perfectly good label for which the, the, the beliefs underlying it, for which many people gave their very lives. But Lord, we are faced with a hard decision. And we need your wisdom. And we need your spirit to grant us unity in the weeks ahead. And so, Lord, we've done that for us in the past. We believe you will do that for us on this as well. Help us next week as we close out this series to be able to answer anticipated questions over the next several weeks. As our leadership team meets with any who would like to do that as well. And then toward the end of this year, we will move on together, unified, one way or another. Help us to do that. In the meantime, Lord, we ask you to prepare hearts in Trenton and beyond to draw to yourself. And whatever obstacles that we have to overcome, grant us the wisdom to do that as well. But uh, Lord, we want to see your name glorified. We want to see it honored. We want to see it praised. And we ask you to help us to do that. Go with us this week. Bring us back safely next Lord's Day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.